Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, Bass Bud. This will be our final positional preview podcast. It will also be much more of a traditional podcast uh, as well. So we've got a couple other subjects to cover, some relatively... Uh, went live about an hour ago. If you want to try to figure out uh, a couple different things, and uh, yeah, that's significant. I'm talking about Mason Smith. We'll get there in a second as well. Uh, but I want to start the show by thanking a sponsor, and these are people that we have worked with before and are very excited to do it again. It is your old friends at Homefield. Homefield is a fantastic uh, vintage clothing company uh, specializing in collegiate athletic gear. It is homefieldapparel.com. Um, people that we've worked with before, people that I've legitimately, uh, like I gave my mom a vintage hoodie a couple years ago for Christmas. It's one of the favorite things that she has. Uh, my wife has all sorts of home field stuff. Excited to work with people that we legitimately and authentically uh, love their year, and home field is no different. So excited to have home field back on board for 2023 and would direct you to their webpage as they actually launched a new line of Florida State gear today, bud. So I know the uh, the bomber jacket was something that immediately caught both of our eyes. Uh, 100%. I'm really excited to go and scoop that bomber jacket. Like, I, I have the OG uh, starter jacket, right, with, like, with the weed pouch in good condition. And I live in Orlando, and I just I can't use it, right? Um this bomber jacket, though, I, I could use for like at least four months in Orlando. Also, I will note, we do all have that one friend who still brings up the old logo debate, right? If you yes, have an old I, logo I know friend, that I have one. If yes. you are the old logo friend, this Homefield collection is for you. That 1993 Orange Bowl shirt? Got that one on there. We also have it with uh, where are we at? There's another shirt. Um, there is there's the really, quarter zip with the old logo. That's the quarter zip with well. the old logo, exactly. Uh, we also have a hoodie, which I think is old logo. Um, the home of the Knolls showing the old school stadium, like the the, the more of the erector set, looks to be old logo. The Seminoles uh, 1993 Champs T certainly is old logo. Um, let me see what else. The joggers on, look extremely comfortable, and I like the old interlocking FSU. The problem is, I got to buy two pairs because my wife's going to steal, like a hundred percent. You know, so it's the Maggie tax, absolutely, yeah, exactly right. Homefieldapparel.com. Go there, take a look. Florida State uh, coupon code, I believe, is Nolcast, which will get you um, get you a discount at time of checkout as well. So. Big thanks to our friends at Homefield and excited to continue to work with them. Um, one ordering note. Everything I got from last time fit awesome. The Osceola and Renegade tee. So I'm 6'2", 214. That's the only one that I would have sized up from an, from an XL to an XXL. So if you're somebody who you know works out a little bit, but probably not like every single day, and you're kind of between an, an X and, and, and a double X or between a large and extra large, that's the one you may want to consider sizing up. Other than that, everything I bought from last time, it fit great, and uh, and I, I still wear it. So, can't recommend enough. And uh, Homefield loves supporting like small businesses because they, you know, are one themselves. Although they're obviously really successful now, but still, uh, and you can help support our sponsors. Have Mason you been Smith, on... bud. Let's start oh, there. I was going to talk. Okay, let's start Mason Smith. Let's throw it back to uh, to Tampa. Shout out uh, Tampa Knowles for having us. That was awesome. We talked about like how the LSU game could go. Get, gave those folks a little mini preview. And I said, look, I, I think Maurice Smith is a, a good player. He's certainly an upper half center in the ACC. He held off Casey Roddick's challenge in the spring to keep his center job. And he's a you know fairly accomplished player. He's also not a dominant physical presence, right? Guy's gotten bigger, has worked really hard. I think Murray Smith is, is Murray Smith, he probably gets a very high percentage out of his, his body that he possibly can. You know what I'm saying? 
there was certainly a chance in this ball game that Mason Smith, who I think rivals had is like the number one player in the country. All of us had him as like a top four, top five player in the country coming out of high school, just a physical freak of freaks. Now he, he tore his ACL in the opening series against, against the Knowles last year, celebrating a stop. And he, you know, ends up uh, coming back. Apparently had had some really good days in camp, had also been banged up a little bit in camp. So that entering the game, I was like, okay, I don't know how many snaps this guy's going to play. He's probably not not in shape to play 70 snaps coming off ACL and then you know dealing with, with, with a bit of an ankle thing in camp. But there's still uh okay, much better lighting-wise. Um there was still exists the possibility, and if you're listening on audio, uh, Graham just swapped his camera lighting, so I wasn't sure if we were going like on a tour of his office or not. There still exists the possibility that at his absolute best, you know, that's an if he was able to reach that, because I don't know that he would be able to necessarily. It's often ACL, you know, like not crazy fast timeline, but certainly somewhat of a timeline. that he gives you all worlds of trouble in this ballgame because he his ceiling is like top five pick. That's a game record type ceiling. Again, not guaranteed to reach the ceiling, but that sort of fear exists going into that ballgame if he's going to play that ballgame. However, uh, the New Orleans Times Picayune, I believe it is, right, NOLA.com, uh, is reporting uh, that their sources say he'll be suspended for this game for accepting uh, illegal benefits or uh, whatever. Improper. Improper, not illegal. Yes, definitely not illegal. We'll be interested uh, to see what improper benefits look like in the year 2023. What maybe they're is. like Taylor Swift tickets. I mean, it would. I'm, I'm legitimately very interested to see what that is. Um, yes. So, no, I mean, look, Maurice Smith is a super impressive guy. He, when you talk to defense alignment, they will go out of their way to say that Mo is frequently one of the tougher linemen to go up against in practice because he's smart, because he's uh, exceptionally wise in how to use his hands, and that he may not always like block you, like you know, drive block you, but it's not uncommon that you kind of think you're getting penetration, then you realize that Mo's just kind of ushered you exactly where he wants you to go. He's also, you know, relatively speaking for the year 2023, a little undersized uh, at this point. And that's after him making significant gains to put on and keep and and retain weight, which hasn't been easy. And and he's worked his rear end off to do. Look, man, I I think the world of Mo Smith, I wouldn't want Mo Smith to try to block a future four, you know, top five pick. Right. This is a big deal. Even if this guy was only going to give you 25 or 35 snaps, this is significant. Now, it's don't, you know, look to Vegas. Don't think that we're now going to beat LSU by 21 because the defensive tackle is not there or something like that. Um, and when I say look to Vegas, have have perspective as to what a kid like this not being there means and, and how much the line moves, if it moves at all. The, uh, it, the total has ticked up uh, one half of a point. Okay. And the side has not moved at all as of, and this news has been out for about an hour and 10 minutes. So I'll tell you, like, can I share my odd screen here? I don't know. I probably can. Let me see. I don't know if I've ever actually done this on the show. Here's my odd screen. If I can, can I do it? Um, how do I share an odd? All right, I'm going to share this. We'll see uh, See if, if it works. All right, so this is what an odd screen looks like, basically, okay? If you want to look. This is a move that happened, like, within the last, you know, X number of minutes down here on the bottom of the screen. The game was basically 58, maybe 57 and a half. Right now, we're looking at, you know, 58, maybe 58 and a half. So if you were sitting at 57 and a half, now you moved to 58. If you're, if you're at 58, you may have moved to 58 and a half. That's basically what we're at. So almost no movement. over under? Yeah, exactly. And, and almost no movement on the uh, on the side. So 
um, yeah, that's the uh, that's what an odd screen looks like. So it's kind of yeah. like like you know, if you're in the stocks. Um, yeah, yeah, somewhere. Um, I still deal. think this is a big deal. I do. Yep. Like because it's and LSU still has good D linemen. Like Wingo is still very good, and like you're not going to just kind of kick Wingo's ass all night, right? Like mm -hmm. he's still a very good player, and Guillory's still a good player. I don't think those guys have like top 10 pick ceilings. And so it sort of forecloses the opportunity to get just like Jalen Carter, you know, mm -hmm. ask Tennessee last year, how that was with a guy who hadn't played a whole lot of snaps all year because of some fitness issues and some nagging injuries, all of a sudden got healthy enough to give him like 30 good snaps and just ruins your game plan. I think that's a, that's a fairly big deal. Everybody else in that D-line, it won't be easy, but you can block them. I don't know if that kid was playing at 100% of his capacity if you had a good chance to block him mm -hmm. consistently. Yeah, yeah significant. Uh, we'll you know keep an eye out on it. All right, so I, I want to say one more thing before we, we leave LSU. Um, it does appear as though they're having kind of like a disjointed camp to an extent. Like I was a little having been behind the curtain a little bit, I was a little surprised they put out on official media today a kid claiming like, hey, look, I didn't do well. I'm sorry uh, for losing my cool or whatever. Like that's that's an interesting thing to put out on an official channel. I'll put it that oh, way. Oh, I didn't see that. This is uh, after practice. I think it was either today or yesterday. It's a nice moment. Kid standing up saying, you know, that's not what I should be doing. But like, man, you get in a moment like that, supposedly well just frequently down there i'll put it that way so a little bit of a choppy camp at the same time i've been doing this a long time you have too bud like whenever you start hearing a, a narrative about a i don't know if this position group can even keep up or if if the secondary even you know i mean it's getting to the point to where people are i think are expecting florida state to go out there and throw for 400 yards or something like that. be 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 weary of making too many assumptions about, oh, well, I heard this position group hasn't been great at practice. Now, look, if, if it goes out there and two two starters are missing or something like that, or a starter and a significant backup, then then that's a little bit different. But like this narrative that's starting to formulate really aggressively so that LSU may just not know what they're doing in the back half of their defense, um, I'd, I'd pump the brakes on that a little bit. I would agree with that. Um I strongly don't think Brian Kelly has forgotten to coach. Uh, Matt House is one of the higher-rated defense coordinators that I use in my system, at least. So, and they still are uh, they they still have Harold Perkins and, and Omar Spates, right? The mm -hmm. the the best linebacker duo in the SEC that doesn't happen to play in Athens, which means they're probably like a top five, maybe a top three linebacker duo in the country. Uh, they they still have Alexander. They still have Wingo. They still have Guillory. Both of the safeties from last year are back. And the two new corners that it looks like you're running out there in Chestnut, who FSU had a good day against last year. If you judge the whole season, the kid was also like an all-ACC player. Uh, and also Zy Alexander, who was, I guess, one of the absolute best in the FCS. I, I do not think that LSU's defense is going to suck. Like I don't think FSU is going to hang a 60-burger or a 50-burger on LSU. I mean, if it turns into some kind of absolute shootout, obviously, yeah, like there's some possibility that, that you know, like you could have like a, I don't know, a 52-45 type game. We, we, mm -hmm. we don't do the, we, we just, at that point, we're like, hey, um, instant reaction is going to come in the morning because it's 2 a.m. despite these new clock rules uh, being, being what they are, which should shorten games some this year, actually, which I, I am not entirely opposed to. Offensively, it seems like they've had a pretty good camp over there. Um, receivers look to be healthy, and they're kind of putting the narrative out that Daniels is throwing the ball better, um, which he did down the stretch, I guess. His, his scrambling was excellent. They, they've they been experimenting with some different offensive line combos. They got this true freshman, Zalance Hurd, who is, is huge and just all kinds of nasty. We, we, we had him at the uh, – uh, the All-American Bowl, and he's kind of one of those kids you just got to tell, like, hey, stop. Like, you, you mm -hmm. can't block people this hard during a during an All-Star week. So 
I guess they're trying to get him on the field some. It's very interesting. Tight end, I think they're pretty good. Uh, running backs, though, I will say, I, it's just so weird to say if you've grown up watching college football for the last quarter century. I'm not really sure LSU has difference makers at back right now. Hmm. You know, they, they got guys that are banged up, and apparently nobody's really separating. So they may have to come out and chuck it quite a bit. Um, they really didn't run the ball on you all that well, all that well last year. So we'll have to see. You know, how Florida State holds up on the defensive interior. Uh, I, I know you know Fisk had a big day today at practice. Uh, Chris Fowler was there to see that in person. Um, so, yeah, man. I uh, even though I think Mason Smith is probably only going to give you what max forty five snaps, I would think that's still a pretty big deal to me. Um, just in terms of doesn't mean you win the game. I do think it severely cuts down the chance that you get like blown out or something like that. You know, like just, I don't think you're going to get dominated at the line of scrimmage at this point. And I, not that I really did before, but certainly the possibility of that existed. If that kid was really on top of his game, just wrecking your stuff, you know? So yeah, man. Um, all right. What, uh, let's say. So do you want to just go team by team on FSU schedule and just sort of give like a little camp update what we've learned? I think people liked this last time we did it. But first, I want to go to Twitter. Can we discuss some uh, some Twitter happenings? Sure. Yeah, this is uh, I'm generally and genuinely interested in where this is going. How uh, what what are your interests in poultry, sir? Oh, this is Miami Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, another God, thing I about love checking it definitely. Yeah, incredible, incredible. It's been one of the funniest things that's occurred in quite a long time. Um, we are talking about, of course, the uh, the chicken man that is running around uh, Johnny Apple seeding Florida State's NIL activities and so much more. Um, dude, this is <laughs> this is crazy. This is just crazy. I was I at a Braves Ivy game with a couple friends of mine last night, and we were we were dying laughing laughing about this oh my gosh dude like just it's amazing it, it miami might be the only fan base out there legitimately here and part of it's because i, I do think their sites do a great job but does miami have more me more message borders than it does actual fans in the stands like i always think about it like man if i could just get you know two-thirds of doke to listen to the noel cast every episode i would just do just noel cast Right. And we do like really good download numbers. But like if you if you're in that like 70 or you know 60,000 per episode number, that's that's pretty serious. You know, like we, we might start making thumbnails on YouTube if, if, if we did those kind of download numbers on the audio side. Miami fans on, on like there's a million Miami websites and they all do well. And there's these like huge Miami communities. And like somebody should just blow their like blow their mind one day and tell them like drop a pin for the stadium so they can go find it. Like, mm -hmm. can you imagine what if you had Miami internet day at sun life stadium or what's it called now? Uh, uh, hard rock. Is it hard rock now? What Still, if you did Miami, yeah. like Miami internet day? Yeah. Like, e fan, e fan day. Her E cane day. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Like uh, the, the, the chicken stuff is amazing. Um, hilarious there's some yeah i don't even i don't even know what to say about that that's just absurd um and then interesting this is not quite uh chicken level insanity but some of the conversation that has been in play for the last 48 hours or so about like oh florida state staff doesn't want to play kids that it signed from high school or uh some of just the other madness that has been out there about Florida State's use of the transfer portal. And, and look, you know, the Florida State coaching staff has known that this card was going to be played against them for a long time now. Um, so this doesn't come as like a complete surprise. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I almost want to just completely dismiss this, but this is just loser talk. I mean, this is what happens yeah. when you're getting your rear handed to you. And, you've got to reach for stuff like, Oh, Mike Norvell's staff didn't really develop Jordan Travis because despite the fact that he, you know, had been on campus when Mike was hired and 
kid, you know, almost quit the sport, uh, that somehow that staff didn't really develop him because he happened to originally sign with Louisville out of, out of Cardinal Newman or, or Gibbons or wherever he's from down there in South Florida. Um, madness, madness. I mean, Jay Sean Corbin, I would, they developed the hell out of that kid at a level that I wasn't sure you'd be able to, uh, a lot of, look, I would say Jermaine Johnson's really the only kid they've gotten out of the portal that was like gift packaged. This kid has a chance to be a star. Yeah. Everybody else they've developed and the class that's being put together right now from a, a ranking perspective, I think would certainly uh, do a massive amount of damage to the line that, Hey, these, these coaches aren't going to recruit from high school and are going to replace you, et cetera. I don't even know this narrative, bud, will be that good two to three weeks into the season. I mean, if Edwin Joseph is running around knocking down balls against uh, LSU on Sunday night, are you really going to be able to tell kids that Florida State doesn't develop high school kids? I mean, I I just I, – I doesn't, you know, have that priority. I just think this is a – this is a big reach. And, um, you know, I think a lot of schools have learned a lesson from what's transpired with Florida State over the last eight months. So, like – don't go around pocket watching and just be like, oh, this school's broke, blah, blah, blah. But let's also not act like it wasn't a serious financial commitment for Miami to bring in Crystal Ball in the manner that they did and that the guy who was previously funding uh, their NIL has a has a stock that, you know, trades for cents on the dollar. Um, you know, Miami, this was a Have big check today. I haven't checked in a while. I haven't had, I haven't had a good chuckle yet, so I'll certainly look at that chart in a little bit. Um, it was a big, this, you know, Miami's, I'm not saying that like, oh, they're all in and this either works with crystal ball or they're, you know, they're not going to be able to football field a football program or something, but you know, they need this to work. They, 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 they put a lot of money into it, uh, fired a coach early, brought in crystal ball from Oregon, paid a lot of money. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes this year. Uh, but so far, that of what you pay Mario Cristobal to do is recruit because he's you certainly don't pay him all that money to be a game day coach and other things. Uh, you haven't haven't lit the world on fire, uh, to to put it conservatively. Um, it is. It did close today at its fifty-two week low of uh, uh, imagine that of eight cents. Eight cents. Which, I'm surprised uh, it hadn't been delisted yet. Actually, I thought that was in the works, and from based off where it's been for how long it's been there, um, it won't be there much longer. There's a there's an article on Business Wire. Uh, Robin Skeller, Redmond and Dowd LLP announced that MSP Recovery Inc., uh, formerly known as Lionheart Acquisition Group, uh, to uh, investors with substantial losses have opportunity to lead the MSP Recovery class action lawsuit. So, mm. uh, Interesting. You can Google that for more. I'm not going to devote too much more time to this show. Go back, check the tapes. Florida State knew that it was going to have to combat this narrative. Florida State has been in on taking a large high school class. We did an like a probably a 20 or 30 minute segment about how even though I don't think the 24 class nationally is as good as 23 or 25, it's still for image purposes and program health and development purposes, still smart to go ahead and take a full class. And it obviously helps that you're killing it and you're getting like some of the best kids at the top of the cycle. But still, like FSU knew it. They knew they were going to take basically a full 25 this year regardless. They don't want to have to completely live out of the transfer portal. They did find an exploitable sort of market inefficiency that was the transfer portal there for those first two years. And it was absolutely a gamble. We have seen programs do this, have it not work and totally just jack up what they're doing. See also Texas state, see year two of Michigan state. I mean, old miss recently has taken some guys. Some have worked out tremendously. Some have really kind of flopped almost immediately mm -hmm. upon getting on campus. So FSU deserves a lot of credit for getting the right guys in the portal for doing well. And also hasn't Miami taken more players in the portal over the last two years than Florida state has like, yeah. Yeah, they have. I mean, it's a it's a weak near. It's a it's a weak grasping at straws, in my opinion. Um, 
look, Mike, we don't need to relive this. You've heard this conversation. Mike came in, took the job, global pandemic. You're not going you're not going to sign almost anybody in that class that didn't have an idea as to the coaching staff and what they were getting into. Uh, when you can't visit places and you're a first year staff, good luck recruiting in a global pandemic. Um, this is, this is really silly talk, you know, and this is, this is talk that may be able to land for a couple days and then people forget about it and be like, Oh yeah, Florida state's the number eight team in the country and playing LSU for, you know, one of the more hype games of the year. Like, I, I just don't know that this argument has a whole lot of staying power. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, Miami has to recruit well. That's basically Cristobal's track record. He's just going to try to out-talent everybody. He is legitimately a really good recruiter. Obviously, I think uh, what's going on, like we detailed earlier in the show, has probably hurt their recruiting. If you don't think they're hearing some negative recruiting about that, like if you can just Google a stock price and be like, hey, by the way, Mm -hmm. so negative recruiting absolutely goes on in this sport. I got to say this right way because staffs will get on me about this. I'm not going to say that every staff does negative recruiting. Every staff absolutely uses some form of comparative recruiting because in order to uh, put the proper frame of reference around what you're trying to sell, it is sometimes helpful to highlight the differences between what you do and what other programs do. If she's got a top five class right now, and we will see how things keep going. Miami, certainly with their schedule this year. I mean, it's not the hardest schedule in the world. It's, it's you know, it, Bill Connolly has them 49th in the country. If they're really developing all that high school talent, if they got the coordinator hires right this time around that they botched both last time, they should go like nine and three, right? Maybe, maybe a 10 and two. If, if the, the high school talent development is going as well uh, as Kane's Twitter thinks it is. But when I read the Kane sites, I trust that's not what they are predicting. Mm-hmm. They are predicting seven and five, eight and four, which tells me that maybe that development isn't going that great. Or maybe uh, maybe that level of talent there at the high school level is, is not quite that good. So we'll see. Um, I mean, they have, they do have A&M on the schedule. They lost AM last year. Seven teams, managed, including App State, uh, managed not to do that. They have uh, Georgia Tech on the schedule. At home, probably should handle them. At North Carolina, you know, Clemson, Virginia, at NC State, at Florida State, right after that. Uh, Louisville, and then at Boston College. So, all right. We did want to do something tonight, though, which is kind of point out some of the good that we're seeing in some of these teams. Uh, A lot of good reports coming out of Miami about their offensive line, so we'll give them some praise for that. I do legitimately think that they made a large – I can't say a large upgrade when Nick Saban goes and hires the guy who leaves you, right, in in Kevin Steele. And Kevin Steele has a pretty, pretty good track record, but clearly something was off last year as far as the connection. I think is Shannon Dawson a big upgrade from the guy they had? I can't really say that, but I think the fit could be certainly like that. I, I think he could be a much better fit in terms of understanding what works with, uh, with Tyler Van Dyke. There's a lot of reports out about, about Colby young looking good. I mean, if he's a, if he's a true number one and I'll, and I'll believe it when I see it, I think Restrepo is kind of a nice two or two and a half. And you know, maybe, uh, maybe Skinner is really emerging as a tight end or, and maybe they get Tyler Harrell to play to the level he played, you know, for a little while at Louisville. Um, maybe they are really just able to push guys around. Like I, some of the reports they have out, like Bain seems to be a serious hit. Okay, uh, Malgoa seems to be a, a serious hit. I buy those because I've seen those yeah. kids in person. I'm like, yeah. Look, man, the kid they took no, from yeah. Alabama is damn, damn good player. Oh, Absolutely. Cohen. And Matt yeah. Lee, the center they got from UCF, I I voted them as my first team center in the ACC. Yeah. Like I every everybody that I talked to in the ACC or in the AAC, right? The, the American, they're like, oh, that guy was a stud, the the center. So 
Yeah, I think the O-line's probably really upgraded, man. I think their linebackers are definitely upgraded. The uh, the offensive tackle, Matt Maligo, his brother from Washington State, was a very productive player last year for the Cougars. It, it, now, corner, corner's where I kind of hop off this train, dude. You had, when when did Miami's got Miami guys get drafted last year? Both like was like a fourth and a sixth rounder. PJ Ivy and uh, and Tyreek. Uh, no, sorry, seventh for Ivy, and then uh, second round for for Tyreek. I mean, you lose two drafted corners, and I think the kid they got from Vandy's probably pretty good, actually. Like just. From reading some bandy practice reports, it seems like they, they they might be missing that kid. And the Devontae Brown kid was you know, a good player for UCF. I believe it when I see it mm-hmm. on that. But like I, I do think that you know if they really are that good at developing and the coaching hires they made are really something to believe in, they should be going nine and three. You get a lot of layups here if you're actually that good. I don't know. We'll. We'll see. I do think Adam Tal- Adam Tolliver, our, our buddy, uh, Prime Discussion, had a pretty good tweet about this. Do you see it? Uh, is this the one about expect or what opponents thought Mike Norvell would be? Yeah. Okay. So he wrote, uh, I stand by the theory that rivals never thought Norvell would be good, so the mental and emotional gymnastics that they're going through, slowly realizing they were wrong, is a special kind of embarrassing, which is an excellent tweet. Mm-hmm. And I kind of disagree with it. Like I think not, there's not plenty his of... first good one. Really? No, okay, no, good. Because no. like, I do agree with it. This will be this will be a good conversation. Like I think that that a lot of rival fans probably, uh, and it's only one word. I think that they, a lot of rival fans probably thought Mike could be good, but guy from Memphis, the high school recruiting was legitimately poor for the first two years. wasn't wasn't getting a whole lot of difference makers in high school. That's certainly changed some last year. If you know. If, just, just go out there and watch a little bit. You can tell mm-hmm. that they have a lot of hits in, in in the class they just took, and everybody knows the kind of class they're bringing in now. I think, I think that a lot of people in other fan bases thought Mike could be like we argued about last two two shows ago, um, the Dan Mullen thing, score a lot of points, be a good developer of talent, you know, good program guy, just not recruit enough to be truly scary. I think they're kind of having their oh moment. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh shoot! Like, is Norvell figuring out like the high level high school recruiting thing? Because if so, that that ain't good. Because you know the guys going to score, score points, and culturally, like his guys like playing for him a lot. I think that's it. It's like they never thought he could be great, and now they're like, oh damn it! Yeah, like he already beat us without good high school recruiting, and now I think opponents or, or a lot of these fans um, were quick to write Mike Nor- Norvell off. I mean, you had the you had the Marvin Wilson thing. You had uh, the starting out 0-4, losing to Jacksonville State. I mean, you you had some really – or Jackson State. Yeah, Jacksonville State. Um, you had some tough points. You had uh, probably the most disastrous single day in Florida State recruiting. You know, with, with – everybody remembers Travis Hunter, but the – the Saints kid the night before, two nights before the kid, the Georgia defensive tackle that Marvin chose Jones. to see Marvin Jones Jr., who you not even sure you finished second in that rate. You know, I mean, um, you, you got you got humiliated, and I think a lot of people just thought they they moved on from Willie. They brought this guy in. It's probably going to be here for three or four years, and you know they're they're in a tough tough place. I don't think. I think we might overestimate the level of knowledge that people have about other coaching staffs. And they just looked at some some informational quick hitters and came to the assumption that this guy's probably not going to make it at Florida State. And to be fair, um, that wouldn't have been a wild assumption to make after after some of those time points that I just, just yeah. listed there. So I, I I think Mike would tell you that he had to like stay true to his beliefs, but also make some changes in the way he did things. Right. And, and it, you know, a greater emphasis of time on certain things. So yeah, it, it is interesting to see some of the mental gymnastics, clearly the narratives being pushed out. Like if you look at it, uh, oh, uh, this is a, all, all, this is all, a narrative push. All, yeah. all of Miami Twitter got the memo on the same day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, 
Miami has eight projected starters that are products of the transfer portal. FSU has 16. The Hurricanes are all in on their current record of developing their traditional recruiting signees and are stressing that to current recruits. They're lucky this is Twitter 280, not Twitter, uh, what, what do you be, 140? Because otherwise the tweet might have cut off at the Hurricanes are all in on their current record, and that would be not a great tweet mm-hmm. to send. Uh, Twitter 140, absolutely. Remember that? God, we are, we're old, bro. This we're old, is, this is this is quite old. Um, Remember way back in the day, if you weren't in front of a computer or like you didn't have like a pure smartphone, you could text what four oh four oh four or whatever, and it would get posted as a tweet. Oh, that's yeah, I remember. I remember. Pepper's um, remembers. Um, Pepper's Farm most certainly remembers. All right, Southern Miss uh, has named a quarterback. Before you do that, let's thank our friends at. Oh, uh, yes. Legendary Home Loans, the legendary team of Chad and Shannon. Uh, Two great guys, two great guys that uh, I believe more than 510 of our listeners have worked with now. Uh, Bud's worked with them twice. Uh, There is no better experience. I promise you, you won't have a better advocate through this process than working with Shannon Young. 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. Obviously, the landscape has changed some over the past uh, eight or nine months. Uh, but if you're in the the market looking for a house um, and to go through that process with as uh, a good advocate on your side as possible when it comes to the mortgage process, I can promise you that uh, the legendary team is undoubtedly the best team. So thank you again for those guys for the historic level of support they've provided to the Nolcast. Also, congrats uh, to Mike and Shelby, uh, who live pretty close to me, it looks like, and uh, they just bought a lovely home and like the next time i take my son to go see the zoo uh, it looks like it's yeah it looks like it's fairly close to the zoo there's a good little barbecue place we can go and just be really loud which is kind of like it's weird when you have kids man you're like how do i choose where to eat it's like where can my mm-hmm. kids just be loud and not yeah. like not disturb everybody um is that, is that the new promo offer in the world of uh Higher interest rates. Do you go to lunch with Bud if you work I, with legendary homeless? Look, look at that. I, I, okay. we, we, we could probably Good. do that. During the season, I'm fairly busy. But uh, after, like postseason, I'm definitely uh, definitely open to that. Um, there's a good little trampoline park up there, too, which is, is very needed. <laughs> In, indoor trampoline park in this kind of – I know it's been hot in Atlanta. Florida folks will tell you it has been – Yeah. No, it's it's been, been a past couple of weeks in Tallahassee, and it has been just – unspeakably hot so a little warm um all right so southern miss has uh has named a starting quarterback they've got a couple guys banged up right now that i'm monitoring we'll talk about that more during their preview uh, i'm not gonna waste a ton of time previewing southern miss right now yeah. we'll have to do that for like 40 minutes maybe we'll get a beat rider on i know a couple of them uh boston college looks like they're going to continue uh to use both quarterbacks do you remember the castellanos kid who FSU recruited like two years ago. Uh, he wanted to play. He was from Georgia. He wanted to play quarterback. Georgia and FSU wanted him to play running back. Um, mm. And he ended up signing with UCF to play quarterback. I do. Yes. Yeah. So this kid was at UCF. Um, UCF, they kept their quarterback who they loved, the John Rice Plumley kid, who FSU also recruited back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah. And the law uh, UC- firm. Yeah, right. So UCF's quarterback or receivers coach went to Boston College. So Mikey Keene also went to BC from UCF. And uh, Castellanos went with him as well. So it looks like it'll be those two dudes for BC. Uh, the most encouraging note, just trying to stay positive here about all the opponents, unless they're just you know a- acting a fool on Twitter. Boston College is not having to use defensive linemen uh, on the offensive line this year. So, like... I know Jeff Halfley probably is sleeping a little bit better that he's not having to do that. And I'm not having to look at the depth chart and say, who the hell is this guy? Right. And then scroll down to the defensive side because they literally had to do that last year. And they lost to UConn after they played FSU. So I, I think they're about is a that. nooner. Is um, it really? It is. It's been decided. I think uh, I'm sure someone will tell me otherwise, but I think it's because the ACC network wants to feature like Clemson playing some non-marquee school i'll put it that way um that's strange and i wish you know not that you're ever going to get a great environment at boston college but so like i talked to a clemson a guy that was on clemson staff 
about 18 months ago or something like that. And he told me that the two biggest challenging places to play for them with their kids, and he was uh, coaching when they had a pretty, pretty stacked roster, was Boston College and Wake Forest. Because you go to those stadiums and they're like energy vortexes. Like you go yeah. there, you you hear yourself warming up, you hear individual guys clapping, um, and it's it 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 it's, it's literally like it just sucks the life out of you. Um, and a noon game in Boston is a is a unique challenge. Um, yeah, I was surprised to see that set as a noon game. That for me, and Boston College is nice, a better program. I think. Well. They do, they do a decent job. Uh, I I think their head coach, despite his record over the past year or two, is, is probably a better coach than than that record shows. Um, and they're always a a physical football team. Um, but yeah, I guess good that you get them earlier in the year. Uh, a noon kick always catches my attention when you're going up there. The uh, if you're Miami and you're not playing to get to the conference title game, but you've already made a bowl. So you're in that sort of like sweet spot where you already have seven wins, but you're not going to get to 10. I don't know if I really want to end the season at Boston college, which very well could be fighting for bowl eligibility in that final game, hosting the hurricanes. So just, uh, just something to think about if we're thinking about, you know, shot and Freud, uh, four months in advance. Clemson. Kind of all the right things are being said, basically, about Clemson so far in, the, in these practice reports. But, I, again, I am a little – I'm kind of in see-it-to-believe-it mode on these receivers, I guess. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to hate. I, I buy some of the stuff. Like, I buy the O-line is is better uh, because they return four or five. And, and mm-hmm. I know they, they have recruited the position better uh, – somewhat better in recent years. And, and I buy the secondary growing up because they had a whole bunch of, of five stars who were playing as true freshmen last year. But I'm like a little skeptical on these receivers really being that much better. Like we'll we'll see how much better they really are. Um, that's kind of the, the main thing out of camp. They do have, um, uh, I guess, Wayne Woodaz, their linebacker, uh, said he gained 25 pounds since the bowl game by drinking 12 protein shakes a day over the course Ooh. of spring and summer and is now up to two thirty. Okay. Up to two thirty. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So that's a, I'll be interested. I, I'm guessing by the time he plays Florida state, that two thirty is probably going to be closer to two twenty one. Uh, yeah. but that's a, that's interesting. Okay. Jeremiah Trotter, uh, who is their best linebacker, uh, cause Barrett Carter's kind of a hybrid, uh, has a hamstring. Um, Dabo said this morning that, uh, he would play today if there was a game today, but he's resting because they know what he can do, which, I mean, yeah, every program is doing some load management. Right now, uh, Virginia Tech did go ahead and announce that Grant Wells is the starter for them. Uh, I think that's a bad sign if you're a Hokies fan because I don't think he throws the ball well, mm. which I like my quarterbacks to do. Yeah. Uh, and they took the drones kid from Baylor, and I just don't think that's worked out to their satisfaction. I mean, obviously, because he's not starting, and Grant Wells had like a 30% success rate throwing the football last year, which is, again, we're trying to be positive on this stuff, right? Oh, Vatek is much better at receiver this year, like considerably better. They, they, I think all three of their starters are, are transfers uh, from who are like proven route runner, good players from the FC or from uh, not the FCS, but the G5. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do expect them to uptick there. Uh, the defensive line, and offensive lines are a little bit uh, kind of diminished. Did you see the uh, the report from D- uh, Andrew Adelson? On... Not about Virginia Tech. No, I'll I'll send it to you. This is it's a long read and it's a it's a worthy read. Like like I set aside like like some time over some coffee and just go through it. It's pretty amazing. Like all the infighting they've had there post Beamer. It seems like mm. it's hard to do a transition, man. It, it's it is easy to talk about. It's hard to do a transition, and that was always going to be a little bit of a challenge because I know, like Virginia Tech, and you think about recruiting in state, but like that main talent pool is like three and a half hours away. You know, I, like when you're recruiting the seven five seven, you're trying to get kids to go out to to what is essentially Roanoke, um, and culturally, it's a it's about ten thousand miles away. Uh, so I I was always curious how 
much that program was going to be able to keep, you know, the Newport News, Virginia Beach area on lock. And when you think about the Virginia Tech teams from like 98 to 2006 or so, when they were really at their apex of talent, they got pretty much everybody out yeah. of that zip code that they wanted to. And you knew um, that once you lost your stranglehold on that, it was going to be hard to, you know, when you weren't just pipelining the Mike Vicks and uh, you know, D Hall and all those guys that were ridiculous level athletes. Um, it, it became real tough real quick. So there, there's a line in there. Uh, there. There's a couple lines actually. And clearly uh, I don't know who put this together. I think Andrew does a great job, but like this reads like pride needs, needs some time to me. Uh, and he probably does to be, to be, to be frank. They decided that for the new weight room, they were not going to buy new weights because weights weigh the same, which I, I guess in theory actually is not a terrible idea. In practice, mm -hmm. it works terrible if you're doing this during COVID and the weight, the old weight room was not locked up and your old weights all get stolen. So then you have a new weight room and no weights. No weights. Okay. <laughs> and of course, supply chain issues oh, yeah. uh, have happened. Yeah, and I, I guess the dorm they were going to for their like offsite practices didn't have air conditioning, which I don't know. Like Botech is in the mountains enough. I, I was in the mountains. The other day. South Side Virginia is hot, man. I just had yeah. just been a week up there. Uh, I can assure you, it, Virginia in the summer is a hot ass place. I was. What's in, been the um, general reception of Marv? I'm just curious. I I don't know. Okay. Um. um yeah, I I, uh, I I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll kind of follow that one with interest on the, mm -hmm. uh, the development there for sure. Uh, so I I don't know, man. Like I gotta tell you, being up in North Carolina, I, I I was in um I was in Banner Elk over the weekend, kind of up in the mountains, beautiful spot, and it was like so much cooler than mm -hmm. Orlando. Just I mean, it was oh like, yeah, I, I had I had to like wear a jacket in the morning. It was like forty four, like in the in the mountains, but. I don't know. Maybe Vodtech's not that high up. Probably not. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's not. It's no. not. Blacksburg is, uh, you know, you start to get into the rolling hills there, but it's not, you're not, it's not a temperature change. I'll put it that way. Uh, and we'll move on to Virginia topography uh, to, uh, yeah, back sorry, to, to football Syracuse. Podcast, but... um, all right. The important thing to know about Syracuse camp is that uh, Schrader, the quarterback, took all of the reps in the mm -hmm. most recent scrimmage and like that doesn't sound interesting it is interesting because he got was hurt in spring and didn't play at all in the first scrimmage or something like that because they were resting the arm like mm. any kind of thing like that is immediate alarm bells for me as somebody who's like trying to project the season like when Penix missed like three days in a row at Washington it's like all right is he hurt or are they just really load managing but apparently Dino said he took all the reps in the scrimmage and uh, Dino said they're deeper than they've ever been along the lines of scrimmage, which I think we've talked three or four years in a row now on the po podcast. Like they're always one year, one injury away from disaster. Th they also had five players drafted and four players transfer out to major power five. So yeah. I don't know that Syracuse's retention game is quite what some schools in the league is. We'll, we'll see. Uh, Duke. I totally forgot to do notes on Duke, and I apologize. I don't. I, oh, uh, Eli Pankall, who is their best receiver, is out for the year. Mm, okay, um, so that's Duke. Look, look, I'm not trying to clown on myself. Duke, I think Duke's a little bit of a more of a challenge than people give them on this year's schedule. I know Florida State's never lost to Duke. This team should absolutely road grade Duke, uh, but Duke probably a couple years too late, but has kind of gotten serious about football. I mean, they made yeah. a legitimate hire and they have some levels of support behind them that they've never had before. Again, probably needed to do this more in like 2008 or nine rather than 2022. But um, Duke is, Duke is trying uh, and they've, they've made some rather serious commitments uh, behind football that they've never made prior. So Duke opens the year hosting Clemson. What do you think the odds are of Duke to win? Uh, aren't, I don't, aren't, aren't they like 12 point underdogs? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're like, they're like 3.75 to one to win the ball game outright. Okay. Like, that's not 
a 90% yeah. game. You know, like yeah. Duke is decent enough. The quarterback for Duke, like if for some reason Jordan had some regression, which I clearly don't don't project because he's been playing extremely well. The kid they have at quarterback at Duke is like one of the few guys who, if he played at his absolute best and Jordan slipped a little bit, you know, Riley Leonard could like be above him with, within the league. You know what I'm saying? Not that I'm projecting it to happen, but mm-hmm. he is sort of one of these ceiling kids to where, I mean, he was pretty nuts last year. I don't know if you, if you, if you look, looked at, at his numbers, but, um, so he was 20 to six touch and interception success rate, 47%, which is, is really pretty nuts. Uh, 12 yards per completion. And he also was their leading rusher at a uh, hundred design rushes for 800 total and 13 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, big time basketball kid as well. So, He'll be a pain. You should just out-athlete these guys, mm-hmm. honestly. As, as long as you take the game seriously, you should be okay. And obviously, lo- losing Pankall is uh, is a fairly big deal for a team that doesn't have amazing weapons on the outside. Wake Forest lost uh, Donovan Green, one of their top receivers, uh, likely for the season, kind of that three- to five-month range. So maybe there's some chance he's back towards the very end of the year. Uh, I'm still pretty skeptical about their defense, and MJ Griffiths. They they seem to have a lot of confidence in the quarterback replacing Harbin. But Harbin still had very good numbers outside of the slow mesh, like on third and long type stuff. He seemed to make some pretty good plays. Part of that's Wake always has really good receivers. I got a bunch of crap for saying Wake had better receivers than the Irish uh, on Cover Three the other day, and I was like, check the tape, check the draft, like watch any games back to back and i didn't think it was a crazy take but irish fans are at the throat um pitt's got a lot of confidence in phil Dracovic. i don't know that that 2021 2021 the 2021 game or 2020 game at bc where fsu won like, like just beat him to, to a pulp and he still mm-hmm. kept playing and making plays that always kind of some respect for him right there yeah I don't want to do North Alabama. We already did Miami. Yeah. Gators? Gators. Uh, Graham Mertz, every time I see a clip, I'm like, better get ready for that. I don't really believe it, but I can't can't dismiss it with like 100% dismissal confidence, right? It's more of like he was an elite recruit. Clearly, like the last couple of years in Wisconsin, they were not managing the program as well as they needed to. There is some chance that the Gators have unlocked something here. Some chance. Okay. Some chance. But I, I still have a hard time really thinking that he's going to be like an upper third quarterback in that league. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not trying to be radio shock jock. If if Graham Mertz is an upper third quarterback in the SEC, now, granted, the SEC, it, the quarterback play is not what it was from a negative perspective like five or six years ago, but it's not uh, where it's you not what it was last year. Is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think of who they lost. I yeah I'd be uh, I'd be I'll, I'll give five hundred dollars your favorite charity if Graham Hurtin Marks is a top top thirty five percent quarterback in the SEC. Yeah, all right. I, Let me put it that way. I don't think you're wrong to to have confidence that that he's not. Um, now they did lose some important players on the defensive line and uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Justice Boone, who is was one of their two starting defensive ends. I think this kind of matters, at least in, in my numbers, because they had a kid, uh, Pal Ryland, who was was an edge rusher, who there was some kind of issue there. I'm not really sure what it was, but he transferred to Vitek, and apparently he's in line to play for the Hokies. So Florida may be kind of thin at pass rusher. I think they're probably pretty good up the middle. Um, O-line looks to be a little bit healthier now than it did coming out of spring. Out of spring, they had the kid who blew the Achilles, and they had the dude who was like, I'm going to transfer. And they're like, you're not a graduate. You really can't transfer. So, like, might as well just stick it out. He had hurt the shoulder. He apparently is back in the starting lineup. 
I don't know, man. Like I, I took the Gators over on their win total. I think that they're going to make a bowl. I, I don't think that they're like a four and eight team, but I don't know. It's hard to yeah. play all these true freshmen at receiver and uh, and kill it, especially if Graham Mertz is your quarterback. Yeah. So one way to kill it is to work with Matt Lewis and his team at Congruity. CongruityHR.com is the website. Uh, had a significant amount of inquiries recently uh surrounding that and uh matt and his team are still crossing the crossing the t's and dotting the i's on some of these but i think we're gonna have some pretty significant additions to announce and really excited about that uh, as i'm fond of saying i worked with congruity at my previous place of employment uh worked with them now on uh in both the nolcast and uh the battles in and look there's challenges there's things that pop up in the course of running a business and to be able to call somebody like Matt Lewis is a hell of a luxury. And I would uh, encourage any of our listeners, whether it be payroll, uh, HR, um, Matt and his team also have some pretty exciting benefit uh, offerings that I'll detail in future episodes uh, as well. So um, some some people that you would want to partner with, uh, certainly in our opinion, again, feel free to reach out to me via social uh, or shoot me an email and I'm happy to put you in touch uh, with the people that we work with and who we uh, enthusiastically endorse. So again, thank you to Matt and his team at Congruity. Absolutely. That is fantastic. And I hope we can announce those very soon. Do we want to do DBs tonight? Let's just push. I mean, uh, probably not fair to do a a position preview, you know, 50 minutes into an episode. So yeah, um, we'll do DBs probably have it out on Friday uh, for everybody. The Mason Smith news uh, paired with some other things, just general I mean, the poultry chicken farming. Talk. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to not talk about uh, chicken farming. So do you uh, think like if, uh, if Ruiz goes away, are we going to start doing like Purdue stock price update? Like we, we should just have like a random, like somewhat program related price update. It'd be like, uh, yeah, we'll just have commodity talk. Absolutely. We'll took, uh, you know, poultry, uh, pork belly, coffee uh, oh gosh do you know what this is about what's that uh mason smith and kayshawn butte participated in an autograph summing or signing in the summer of 2021 oh that makes them in that 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 makes a whole lot more sense okay prior to nil going live butte Mm -hmm. served a one-game suspension during the 2022 season he missed the New Mexico game for the birth of his son and the UAB game for what Brian Kelly said was the flu. Uh, Smith would have served his suspension last year also, but was injured. Yes. The NCAA made LSU aware Smith would serve the suspension in the season opener earlier this summer. Mm. Okay. All right. That is That is that helps to provide some much-needed perspective as to – if LSU knew that they were going to have to serve a suspension and they knew the kid blew the ACL, don't you just kind of withhold that info and be like, ah, well, for you know, imaging purposes, we're going to need to, like, to let, let the swelling go down. He's going to be suspended. Like, you know, suspend him for that week. I, I would have said that, that he was, that he came back last year. Yeah. For the, for the SEC championship game, and we really want to play this kid. Yeah. So, yep. Sorry, guys. Uh, you let us know whether or not this can count, or if we can get him out there against Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or get him out there against Georgia. Excuse me. Against Georgia. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're like, and they missed him. They gave up like thirty-eight points in the first half of that ball game, which was, you know, <laughs> uh, that's uh, that, okay. That is autographs. Really that's that's how it can happen. Interesting. All right. Um, autographs before NIL was legal. Well, uh, it was legal. They just didn't, not the first, autographs are kind of tricky from an NIL perspective. I'll put it that way, because you've got to, you've got to pay fair market. Uh, Like you can't do the Johnny Manziel where you pay, you know, $50,000 for five signatures or something like that. So um, that, that makes a little bit of sense to me. What if the guy did calligraphy? Yes. Well, that is a, 
I mean, just from being married recently, I'm familiar with how much yeah, you get ripped off for bringing in calligraphy. That's, so that's why I bring it up. That yeah, is I, a multiple. That is a price multiplier, bud. You're absolutely right about that. That's a great Bro, point. Look, we're we're just just hacking the nil game. Look at that. Oh man. All right. Um, we should probably end the podcast now. Uh, outro. Funny. All right, y'all. I thoroughly enjoyed it. A little bit of a uh, uh, you know less formal Nolcast. We will have the DB position preview for you coming up next. Thank you so much for your support, oh, Matt's tailgate. Yes, thank you. We thank you. Probably bud. discuss the Madison social tailgate. We will discuss the Madison social tailgate, and we will open with the Madison social tailgate. Uh, so uh, never want to short our friends uh, over there. LaborDayTailgate.com again. LaborDayTailgate.com. Look forward to seeing. Uh, many people out there and um, given a given some TBE members passes to that as well. So uh, excited to excited to see a bunch of friends. And uh, with that, we'll wrap up this episode of the Nolcast and we'll be back shortly with a DB preview.